We are experiencing a time of social distancing, a time I imagine most of us have never experienced uh, the like of which. When Jesus was on the cross, he also experienced a time of social distancing, the like of which he had never known. But what he experienced was far more extreme and terrifying than anything that we will ever know. No picture that we have ever seen or even imagined can fully help us understand and encapsulate just how alone Jesus was on the cross. Isaiah tells us that he was despised and rejected. Give me a few moments to try to paint some kind of a picture of how rejected Jesus really was. Every step in Christ's passion was the gradual descent towards his total desolation. Jesus prays to his Father in Gethsemane, and he is denied. He goes to his disciples for comfort, and they are asleep. And the only one that is not asleep is bringing a group of soldiers to kill him. He appears before the leaders of Israel, the leaders of the very community that he brought into existence, and they condemn him. But there is still the state, there are the Romans, and their pretensions are not as high as the Jewish church. They claim to be just on a sort of rough, worldly level. And so Jesus becomes a counter in a complicated political game. But the Romans decide that on this occasion, the life of one righteous man is not worth the ramifications of defending him. And so they reject him as well. But all is not lost. There is still another group that may come to his aid. And that is the common people. The poor and the simple whom he had blessed and taught and healed and lived among all his life. The people that he came, that he came from and that in a sense he always belongs to. There is an appeal made to them, and they have turned against him, or have become so afraid that they won't say anything in his defense. And so every form of mankind has rejected our Lord, and in the end there is only God, his Father. And to the Father, the Son's last words are, Why have you forsaken me? Jesus is so alone. Everyone who could have stopped it does not. Everyone who could have stepped forward in his defense fails to do so. And even the Father, who loves him more than we can imagine, knows that he must do nothing. Jesus is totally alone. Our social distancing is nothing like this kind of isolation. But though Jesus' torture is unique and more grotesque than anything that we will ever know or or experience, it is representative of a type of human experience that all of us are going to have, and that is the experience of death. Every one of us is going to die. No matter how many people are at my bedside, they cannot experience my death with me. And when it is my time to go, God, though he loves me so much, will not do anything to stop it. This is the isolation of death. Every rope breaks as we seize it, Every door shuts as we reach it. All escape is barred, and there is nothing left to do but to face death and face it boldly, to face the thing that all mankind has been afraid of. But we do not need to be afraid, because God has showed us how to die. Now notice, I say he has shown. He did not 
Tell men how they are to die. He became a man so that he could show us how to do it. You see, when Jesus cried out before our Lord 2,000 years ago, he also cried out before a small crowd. And he was not just talking about his desolation, but he was hearkening their minds back to a prophecy that was made and was being fulfilled before their very eyes. A prophecy that, a prophecy that his father David wrote concerning that very moment. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to that prophecy found in Psalm 22 and begin reading with me at the first verse. We're going to jump around a little bit for time, but hang in there. The first verse reads, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out to you by day and you do not answer. You cry, I cry out to you by night and I find no rest. Verse 6, I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in God, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him if he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even from my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near and there is no one to help. Verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dry. It is dried like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth, and you lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are, out of, are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among me and, and cast lots for my garment. Now, most of these verses so far have been talking about Jesus' desolation. They have been talking about the specific things that needed to happen at Jesus' execution. But starting in verse 23, David turns his psalm and begins telling a different story. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Verse 27, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. You see, his cry of anguish and defeat is simultaneously a cry for victory. While it is a cry that death has come for all men, even the perfect one, it is also a cry that points to victory, that Jesus has done it, that by dying he has begun the process of new life, that by receiving this death into himself, he has made a way for all the rich of the earth to feast and worship all who go down to the dust, who cannot keep themselves alive. They will yet live and they will kneel before him. That because of this moment of desolation, all the families of the nations, not just Israel, but all the families of the nations will remember and turn to the Lord. It is a call for all who fear the Lord to praise him. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of his afflicted one, but has listened to his cry for help. That though Jesus is forsaken, it is only for a moment. For the father who in this moment watches his beloved son die and does nothing, will raise him to life again. 
and death will be swallowed up in life. It will be swallowed up in victory. When Jesus cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not only a cry to the father of desperation, but a backhanded compliment to the devil. You see, the devil knows the scriptures too. And he knows how Psalm 22 ends. It is as if Jesus is saying, congratulations, you've killed me, but my father will not let it end like this. So let us face death the same way. Not belittling it, as if it doesn't matter, but in the words of Thomas Brown, I am not so much afraid of death as ashamed of it. Death is not befitting eternal beings like you and me. It is a slander upon the images of God. Christ wept at the tomb of Lazarus, and he, di- and he, and he sweat blood before his own death. We are to face death in all its ugliness, but not with fear, not with panic, but in faith and with courage. Faith that as the Father has raised the Son, He will raise us all. Faith that Jesus has done it, that He has taken death into Himself, that we might live, and with courage. Courage to not fear death in this life, because death has no hold on us. Its sting has been taken away. Death is not something to fear. It is the gateway into newer and longer and better life. Death is the last step in a small world. It is now the gateway into the arms of God. Let's pray. O Lord Jesus Christ, who by your death upon the cross bore the sin of the world, the pain of our lostness, and the judgment we deserved, we praise you for bearing what we could never bear, to win for us what we could never earn, the gift of everlasting life. Oh, how we adore you for giving us a gift so priceless. Lord Jesus Christ, amen.